Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. The second Greener Thoughts Anniversary Celebration Prize Giveaway Retroactive Edition is here. It will last throughout the retroactive November month, and I will leave details about that in each episode description so that you don't get confused about uh, when to enter or how to enter. So to enter the giveaway, just answer the following questions. There's only three. The first is, what is your favorite episode of Greener Thoughts thus far and why? Number two is, what is the dried snack company I discussed in podcast episode 146, top 20 foods you can freeze? And number three, what are the three episodes I've done that focus on composting? Hint, it's in the titles. Some of the prizes include uh, three different prizes for the first, second, and third prize winners. First prize is a four-pack of Burt's Breeze Lip Balm in Superfruit. Number two prize is the Pop Sockets Burt's Bees Lip Balm Compact Refill, and it is also a phone grip and stand. And then number three is the Pop Sockets Refillable a Pop Grip Lips uh, that is a phone grip and a stand and again these prizes are for the first second and third prize winners be sure to email your answers to greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com or you can do so by voice message you can go to anchor.fm forward slash greenerthoughtspodcast and check out how to send a voice message through there or follow the link that is the third lower link in each episode's show notes so much for listening in i have some great information that i hope that you would love to check out and remember as far as these environmental holidays and then we'll continue on with the next segment uh, the first environmental holiday that you may want to write down or remember is buy nothing day it is the anti-consumer consumerism day or consumer anti-consumer day is in no buying of anything. It's held annually in late November every single year. And depending on where you live, it falls on a different day. So in North America and in the UK and in Finland and in Sweden, for example, Buy Nothing Day is held the day after uh, the US uh, celebrates Thanksgiving. And it's concurrent with, of course, Black Friday. But everywhere else, it's held on the following day, which is the last Saturday in November. 
And then uh, number two holiday to remember is Fur Free Friday. It's held annually the day after Thanksgiving. It's a U.S. event. It's done in the U.S. And then last but not least is International Jaguar Day held on November the 29th. Headlines from the Hemispheres is the next segment up. It's where I cover all types of environmental news all across our wonderful blue planet. And one of the first headlines is out of Greenland. So seas are rising faster than ever. And Science Magazine captured uh, this headline and it's great information here for you. I suggest checking out this online magazine. If you're a member, you definitely can benefit from the online uh, articles and members-only content on their website. And you can look forward to all types of information on their website as well, not just articles, other things too. So Greenland is sort of a hot spot for all things concerning melting sea ice. We know this. We can look at the Arctic circles and seeing they're shrinking over the years, over the decades. Over the past 10 years, sea levels have risen 4.8 millimeters on average every single year. And this is a much higher rate than the previous uh, two decades before, previous 20 years before. And this increased rate uh, has really driven things, like I mentioned, the enhanced uh, melted sea ice from Greenland, for example. Greenhouse gas emissions are really increasing uh, ever so slightly and dangerously uh, to a number where if things don't change, we're going to be, you know, crap out of luck. But there has been a series of satellites that have been able to track uh, the increase of uh, sea level uh rise measurements over the years and they started operating back in the early 1990s and they used pulses of uh, reflected reflected radar uh, to measure the ocean's height and recently there was another satellite that's launched called the Sentinel-6 uh, Michael Frulich which uh, recently launched and later uh, in late 2020 and it has higher resolutions, which are able to measure uh, ocean height ever closer to the shore because it's it's usually uh, really difficult to measure the um, the height of the sea and how much it's been increasing, you know, as far as like millimeters uh, every single year. So the fact that this new satellite has launched and is able to capture uh, pictures and resolutions uh, from the shore and picking up that data is really important. And it's really great uh, that this new technology has been able to come out. And uh, next is uh, some Information from China and their recent fishing ban that they imposed uh, on the Yahtzee. So China to extend the fishing ban to Yahtzee estuary in 2021. And Reuters.com had this story. And no surprise there. I love how they have so many different uh, international headlines and information. It's great for anyone who loves world news. So out of China, they are prohibiting fishing on the Yahtzee uh, uh, Yangtze uh, River estuary in early January 2021, uh, all across the length of the river. And it's going to, of course, affect a lot of fishermen and others who depend on the river to survive for fishing, of course. Uh, China 
had imposed the 10-year ban uh, on the uh, longest river in Asia um, to, of course, replenish stocks and allow endangered species to recover, which is good. Uh, the ban is set to uh, be extended to large uh, Yangtze tributaries at the start of 2020 or 2021. And then last but not least, some information about uh, what the UK is doing with their secondhand market and it's ensuring a robust circular economy. Secondhand, no longer second best for UK circular economy consumers. And The Guardian had this uh, headline and this article and it's out of the UK and they are really building upon the idea of the circular economy. It's, it's no um, new um, environmental uh, uh, issue or, or some would say a solution, uh, but it's been developing uh, ever so slightly over the years and it's been accelerated because of the coronavirus and there's been an increased focus on sustainability and sustainability measurements. So the trend is really picked up and everyday brands, everyday companies are, uh, they're picking up the steam and they're rolling with it, such as Ikea. Ikea has a new buyback initiative that is now in the UK and in Ireland stores and it buys uh, unwanted furniture from customers and resells them as secondhand. Customers get a voucher to spend in the store and the value depends on the condition of the items that they return, which is pretty good. Then there are other retailers like clothes retailers. They're also getting in on this, such as Cause. Um, I'm not familiar with the brand, but I'm sure uh, UK listeners out there probably know about it. It also is in the resale market and they um, are in the U.S., but um, or um, they're not in the U.S., I'm, I'm pretty sure. But Levi's is their big jean brand. And they have a new secondhand service under which they have a used pairs which can be sold back to consumers, which is really great. Other um, brands are on this as well. Patagonia, for example, has their whole uh, reuse program and, and their, their reworn program where uh, consumers can send back uh, worn goods. Uh, there are, you know, in great condition, but, you know, you want to give your clothes a second life instead of giving them to a donation uh, center or thrift store or consignment shop, what have you. So many, many brands are picking up on this. Um, one of the founders of the online charity, uh, Joel McAuliffe, he is uh, one of the founders, he's the founder of uh, Thrift Plus. He says that uh, people are making a moral decision to shop for less new clothes, which is great. And uh, his site is taking clothes donations from the public and sells them online. And part of the profits go to charities. Now, consumers, there is a, a lot to learn about selling clothes online, but you're covered as far as, you know, buying used um, goods or even secondhand goods. You're covered uh, from um, um, through which, you know, retailers have the same rights um, as you do in, in, in it's all under the Consumer Rights Act. So whether you're buying something through retailers that's secondhand used or secondhand goods, um, you know, you have the same uh, rights under the Consumer Rights Act. 
So that means any wear and tear on uh, items does happen. It, it, it happens with clothes. Surely we know this. Um, but the goods must be of satisfactory quality or so as advertised, uh, even if they've been previously owned or used. No one can really sell you, you know, horribly damaged items and you, you still, you know, come out satisfied. That's not what happens. And you're protected uh, under the Consumer Rights Act. And you can complain if you're not, um, you know, satisfied with the clothing you uh, bought that was secondhand or used. Now for sellers though, or those who are trading or even, you know, just plain selling goods online or anything like that, uh, you're bound by the rules of the site that you are using or the brand that you use uh, to be able to sell. some alarming news that we're going to cover and if you're passionate about the oceans or if you're a surfer or if you love uh, working outdoors specifically uh, in the fishing industry or doing uh, ocean uh, cleanup beach cleanup if you maybe you know work in a hospital and work um, around medical equipment maybe you'd be interested uh, in this topic specifically because it happens to do with mercury in our deep oceans and the uh, environmental health news uh, definitely um, has uh, a lot to say about what's been happening recently and so um, I, I, I knew that I just had to talk about it. I don't really investigate a ton about mercury. There are some commonplace things I know already and some extensively that I looked at, especially when trying to research a little bit better for this podcast episode. But um, it, it alarmed me so much that I was like, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet, talk about it, because I don't want anyone to come in contact with things that are knowingly um, causing mercury exposure, whether they, you know, go into the sea because so many objects, everyday objects go into our oceans from cups to, you know, diapers, to shoes, to cigarette butts, to plastic items, everyday items, to even the containers that are on ships that are, um, going from here yonder from halfway across the world. Sometimes those, uh, shipping containers, they fall off into our world's oceans and all the contents of the shipping containers falls with it. It could be trash, it it could be goods shipped from China, it could be machinery, it could be uh, clothing goods uh, that are shipped, you know, from, you know, Kenya to the US or from the UK to Mexico, all these different places. And so we're gonna look at some uh, fascinating news, some alarming news though, and it's affecting our wildlife and our, our sea animals, specifically our fish, are one of the most notable uh, animals that's it's affecting. So we're going to look at uh, the uh, info here and dive under the sea. So we're going to look at this information and it comes straight uh, from the different uh, authors and researchers who uh, took on this study. So uh, just to let you know that there are fish carcasses that are sinking to the deepest parts of our ocean and they carry toxic mercury pollution. All this is inevitably uh, damaging and contaminating the sea bottom 
Uh, and sea creatures that live on the bottoms of our oceans, according to a new study. And the study was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences Journal. And it provided evidence about the pollution from such places like coal-fired power plants and mining operations and other uh, heavy polluting industries that are, of course, um, impacting our most vulnerable and remote, sometimes, ecosystems we have, of course, on the planet. Now, this uh, study was conducted um, by a team, but was led uh, by one of the main authors and the University of Michigan professor and environmental geochemist, um, uh, Joel Bloom. And Bloom and his colleagues, they found many things. One of them was that methylmercury is a toxic form of mercury. Methylmercury just... Uh, FYI, that's something that you want to remember. That's like the most toxic form of mercury imaginable. And it does a a number of damages or it does a number on microorganisms. And it does um, such tragic things to snailfish and crustaceans like amphipods. And this was seen 33 1,630 feet down in the Mariana Trench, you know, in in the Northwest uh, Pacific Ocean. They collected uh, tons of snailfish and crustacean samples from the Mariana Trench and the Kamatic Trench, which is in the Southwest Pacific Ocean. And they analyzed both of these different samples uh, for signatures of methylmercury. And so they matched the chemical signatures to the range of different fish species that live generally in the Central Pacific Ocean uh, and those that feed uh, at depths up to 1,640 feet. Now, a previous study of, um, done by Chinese researchers, they measured mercury in sinking detritus or sinking carcasses, uh, sinking you know, dead um, bodies of you know, animal, etc., Um, you know, things that, of course, are broken down by other uh, animals that feed off of uh, dead flesh. Um, And however, um, Bloom's team found that the detritus mercury signature didn't match that of the trench organisms. So that means that the trench organisms were contaminated from the sinking fish carcasses. Now, let's move on to how mercury is... um, dangerous to sea creatures and other forms of life well coal is being phased out it it slowly is renewable energy is catching on but mercury emissions have dropped a little bit you know in the past few years here in north america but places like china and india are really ramping up heavily on coal plants they're increasing them you know, every single day, every single year, China is is huge uh, with it, the making and manufacturing of its coal plants. Even though they do have um, a growing renewable uh, energy sector that is you know up and coming, but the trade off is still it's still not as good as just having, of course, renewable energy around. So with mercury, it travels all over the globe and it deposits itself very sneakily in our land, in our water, and microorganisms, uh, they convert uh, mercury itself to toxic methyl mercury. 
And methylmercury isn't just harmful to microorganisms and small plant life, small animal life. It's known to humans as being uh, really damaging to our nervous systems and, and the same thing with animals and our hearts, our immune systems and our brains. It affects several different parts of our bodies. And it's even toxic because the food that can move up from the, the food change, the food uh, chain chains, um, it uh, you know moves along that where small animals they get of course eaten by larger animals, and then in uh, humans we end up you know eating um, you know fish you know different types of fish. Uh, so many different types are you know at risk. Um, for having that mercury pollution in them. And so we're going to talk a little bit about those a little bit later. But we end up in, uh, surely uh, eating the fish that we're um, or eating on uh, smaller organisms that, you know, were, um, you know, getting that uh, methylmercury uh, poison. So I want to leave you with a notable quotable, something to think about, um, as we've looked at all this research and, and all that's been done um, with this mercury poisoning. So, quote, deep sea trenches have been viewed as pristine ecosystems unsullied by human activities. But recent studies have found traces of anthropogenic lead, carbon-14 from nuclear weapons testing and persistent organic pollutants such as PCBs in organisms living in even the deepest part of the ocean, end quote. And that quote was from the study co-author, one of many, uh, and the University of Hawaii oceanographer Jeff Drazen. There are so many uh, millions of tons of contaminants, of products, of everyday uh, objects that enter our oceans all the time. And uh, we can stop this. We can stop the polluting of our oceans. That's one thing that we can do. Um, it will happen. I believe it will happen in my lifetime. Um, and I, I know that it may seem daunting or scary, but the fact that we have so many pollutants in methylmercury, um, you know, accumulating in our small organisms and fish that eat those organisms and smaller animals. And then we then eat those fish, those who, you know, eat fish or, you know, those who maybe are in contact uh, with fish, maybe on a, on a regular, maybe you're a fisherman, but you're a vegetarian. Who knows? But you're in some way are connected uh, to what's happening in our, in our oceans. Without our oceans, we don't live. 70% of our oxygen comes uh, from our oceans. And, you know, Four Ocean is a, is a company that I've uh, learned about. I've known about it for maybe two or three years or so. But I was watching one of their videos recently and they were talking about plastic pollution and how one ton of plastics enter our oceans uh, every minute. I, I I wasn't phased by that fact, but I, I knew that that made sense um, because there's millions of, of pounds or, or millions of tons um, of our, our oceans being polluted by our waste. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking about um, ocean cleanups and the most common items that we can find in our oceans uh, today. Um, some of these uh, items may have mercury in them. There are other common um, uh, items, products, waste, 
that is full of uh, different contaminants, lead, uh, cadmium, um, you know, phosphorus and, and so many other things. Uh, and I, I've seen a few documentaries about, you know, waste discharge and, and polluting textile factories in, in, in different regions, you know, India and the Philippines and Bangladesh. Um, and, and they've got systems, there's a, a factory in, in, in Indonesia, I think it's in Indonesia that had the, the story that I was um, looking at. I think it was a DW documentary. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and they were talking about uh, the waste disposal uh, of uh, the textile industries along this famous river that's known in Indonesia. And uh, the many children and families who are living along that river which will, you know, lead to the ocean. It's it's connected to another larger river, but that will, of course, lead to the ocean. But the contaminants in the river that the citizens were living on, um, it had everything that you can think of. They t- tested their blood, tested their hair, and they found all types of toxic chemicals, um, you know, from, from mercury to cadmium to um, all types of lead and all types of... Uh, different chemicals that aren't supposed to be PCBs, everything uh, that was uh, discharged in the water. And there were many plants along the river that were textile making uh, factories that were discharging their waste. But then you had like one that kind of stood out and it wasn't polluting the river. It was recycling that water and it was made clear and there was no discharge. Everything that was discharged was, was clear as day and white and clean and perfect. And they had a system in place where were they were the trailblazers you know other factories could could look at that factory as an example a shining example and look to be that and i i i want indonesia to 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 be like that um because those contaminants they were frothing in all type of different colors blue black green uh, they were getting into the rice paddy fields it was it was alarming it was it was kind of gross but not just gross like on a sanit on sanitary level, but gross as in the fact that these companies could get away with doing this and only under testing and scrutiny were they were their feet pulled to the fire. Um, you know, and, and they say that they will improve, but you know, will those chemicals uh keep on being pumped out? Um, those chemicals, you know, end up in the rivers and if the rivers aren't cleaned um, you know, it's a big problem because those rivers end up going to, you know, lakes and estuaries and to our world's oceans. You know, some rivers are really, really close to our oceans. And so they lead right to them. Um, on our on our oceans, there are many different common items that I kind of want to talk about too, because I did do a podcast episode about ocean cleanup and about the most toxic, most... um commonly seen item on our world beach beaches which are you know cigarette butts that's like a top um uh, particular type of waste but cigarette butts single-use plastic bags and snack sachets um plastic straws even plastic cups and so much more you'll find um on our our world's oceans and oceanconservancy.org uh, they do um, so much when it comes to ocean 
um, clean up and protecting our world's oceans. It's amazing the information that they do um, participate in. And so every year they do an international coastal cleanup and they release their data to the public. They've been doing it since the 1980s. And there's been a gradual change in the amount of uh, pounds or even tons of um, plastic waste, the types of waste that you'll see on uh, the different beaches around the globe, the frequency of uh, how much there is of one particular item, the usual trash that you'll see on these beaches. Now it's changed. You'll see it vary from different country and even in all 50 states um, here in the U.S. So the reports say date back from uh, or to uh, 1962 and beyond. And so they're free to download and share. And so I'll link the uh, website where you can check out Ocean Cleanup Stats uh, in the description uh, of this podcast episode. And I just want to say um, another thing that, you know, mercury is obviously dangerous. Methyl mercury is way more dangerous. But, you know, why are these everyday products still being produced that contain mercury? There are products that I'll mention in the Mother Earth Minutes that you may recognize or may use on a daily basis or whenever you're, you know, in a hospital setting or maybe you travel and some of the items you have or carry with you have mercury or small um, exposures to mercury that you may be unaware of, maybe older parts of certain items like appliances, for example. Um, if, you know, mercury is such a problem, why is it still being used in everyday products? You know, that's the, the main question I ask to these manufacturers, pe- people that use, um, uh, things, for example, in the healthcare industry, because there are some life saving, um, equipment that needs to be, um, made and manufactured, but does it have to have mercury in them? For example, thermometers, there are there are um, touchless thermometers that are being made that don't have um, mercury in them. You know, things like that need to be more mainstream. Maybe other countries, maybe they're not on board um, with, um, you know, those contactless um, thermometers. And there are other types of uh, objects that I want to talk about as well. So um, that's one question uh, that I need needs to be posed to the makers of such huge um, products. Where are your products coming from? Um, how are they um, disposed of properly, if at all? Now, these are things we must consider, especially when uh, looking at different chemicals like mercury, methyl mercury. The Mother Earth Minutes is where I review in the next few minutes proactive things that we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. Now that we know that methylmercury is one of the most toxic forms of mercury, especially in marine life and in humans alike, we can look to the places where we're more uh, apt to being exposed whether this be in our foods, and so much more. So I'm going to briefly uh, go over um, some of the best ways to avoid mercury exposure where you are. And because a lot of these items, um, you know, 
they can and do end up in our oceans. This also prevents mercury from getting uh, in our oceans as well. So there's a lot um, that you can prevent just by following a lot of these tips and even the products that have mercury. You'd be surprised. There's so many. I didn't even know that there were so many. I knew that there were, you know, many things, especially older equipment or items from the healthcare industry or jewelry, but there are other things too. So first off, signs of mercury exposure. Um, Some of these signs may seem like they're connected to other issues, which is definitely a possibility Um, because, you know, nausea or, you know, cramps or loss of appetite, sometimes they're connected to other uh, health conditions and health uh, illnesses. So that's something to be aware of. But some of the key signs of mercury exposure are the following. A loss of appetite, behavioral changes, abdominal cramps, eye irritation, diarrhea, skin irritations, muscle tremors, nausea, fatigue, and also insomnia. Now the US FDA, Food and Drug Administration, they have their own recommendations about how much seafood, for example, adults should eat, also pregnant women. Now they recommend uh, that adults eat at least, or could at least up to um, eat uh, 12 ounces, so it's about two average meals worth per week. So every single week, you know, up to 12 ounces of cooked seafood, um, you know, avoiding large predatory ocean fish. Uh, for women who are pregnant or uh, may become pregnant, nursing mothers, and even kids uh, ages 12 years old or younger, the following guidelines are recommended. So, um, you know, 8 to 12 ounces can be eaten. That's two or three meals worth of uh, seafood. Uh, and it's a variety, of course, of fish and shellfish, um, the ones that are lowest in mercury. Uh, and then five of the most commonly eaten fish that are low in mercury are shrimp, canned light tuna, salmon, pollock, and catfish. And another um, commonly eaten fish is uh, albacore white tuna, but it has more mercury than your canned light tuna, so that's something to be aware of. So when choosing fish, you know, opt for something that's that light tuna or limit your albacore um, amounts to about six ounces per week, which is really small. So uh, with those limitations, I mean, it's good with the amount of ounces that you are able to eat because you can eat them a few times a week in small amounts, nothing huge, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing um, completely wild and crazy. Now, tip number three is the last one, and it's to look for all the different products. You never know what you may come in contact with on a daily that happens to contain mercury. And I'll leave the, the link from the EPA um, that is on mercury and, and products that contain mercury. And so I'll go over at least the whole list here. And then if you want to see if the page is updated or maybe how your country differs in the amount of products that you know contain mercury or the safety of them you can always look at the page for more information um but uh, there are many different uh, types of items that have mercury in them uh, antiques for example 
those like barometers and clock pendulums and mirrors even um, vases or vases as, as people call them um, and then organs like those in church for example uh, those you know contain mercury didn't even know that organs um, you know contain uh, mercury appliances no surprise here uh, older models uh, those like your chest freezers and space heaters even clothes dryers those that are like from the you know 1950s 60s etc uh, clothes irons um, and washing machines too some of those that are older um, definitely contain mercury auto parts uh, cars manufactured before 2003 may contain mercury switches or relays. I'm not sure if this applies to cars um, abroad, but here in the U.S. this definitely applies. Uh, batteries with mercury. Some batteries may contain mercury, but not all of them. I know that those have been changes that have been happening over the course of battery history. Um, next, a dental... Uh, Almagams, those have lit, uh, mercury in them. Uh, electronics too, this isn't really a big surprise, but you'll see mercury most in LCD screens and in monitors. Uh, also in laptop uh, screen uh, shutoffs. In any television that you know of or have that's been made before 1991, you want to be careful because it contains mercury switches. And these products need to be disposed of according to your local uh, guidelines and laws regarding household hazardous waste and in the different collection centers you know, nearby where you live. Uh, jewelry is not so much of a surprise, but jewelry from Mexico is. Uh, it has liquid elemental metallic mercury in, you know, glass parts. It's sometimes, you know, maybe encapsulated in the glass. Uh, so that's something you want to be aware of. Um, and also, a quick note, are that other countries, they may not have the same standards as far as mercury exposure. Like, they may be, you know, up to a certain um you know, amount that is found in certain products that are allowed under uh, X country's laws. Um, but in the U.S., the standard could be definitely totally different. So you want to be aware of that when purchasing products abroad at any rate, at any cost, at any time. Uh, some countries have lax laws when it comes to certain items, certain products that are bought and they don't have uh, the same guarantees that you may get or buyer's protection or... Um, uh, protections as a consumer that you may have in the U.S. versus if you, you know, lived in a different country or bought products from a certain country. Now, light bulbs are um, no surprise here are you know containing of contain mercury. This includes all the different types that you can think of: fluorescent bulbs, compact fluorescent light bulbs, or CFLs. Uh, and high-intensity discharge lamps or HID lamps, ultraviolet lamps, and also pretty neon lights. Uh, medical equipment and ph pharmaceuticals. Uh, medical equipment, I'm not surprised there. Skin creams. Now, this is kind of alarming, especially those who, um, you know, have different creams for um, hyperpigmentation. Maybe, you know, you have uh, freckles and you want to make them a little bit lighter uh, a lot of skin creams on the market you know don't have mercury compounds and ingredients in them but generally uh, again 
products like skincare cream, for example, that are imported uh, from outside the U.S. and come from abroad, they are going to be sold sometimes as a lightening, skin lightening creams or freckle creams or discoloration creams or the like. And so you want to be wary of them because, again, they do not have the same standards for ingredients, um, you know, abroad. Um, and so you want to be careful where you're getting your products from. And also this goes for soaps. Sometimes soaps, um, they contain ingredients that do, um, just like creams, and some of them, you know, are skin lighteners. Places like, you know, Jamaica, um, you know, my mommy's home country, you know, sad to say, but it's becoming a bit much. Nigeria is another place where skin lightening, some of the different products out there are really harmful. I'm not saying everyone out and about is just trying to brighten their skin, um, but it's happening and it's it's a real occurrence. It's happening and it's, it's alarming, but it's known and I've known about it for a few years, but it is uh, real. And so you want to be careful. And then last but not least, sporting goods, equipment. I was shocked about that. Thermostats, thermometers, and also vaccines, ironically. The ego fact of the day is that Death Valley hits 130 degrees Fahrenheit, the third hottest temperature on Earth ever recorded. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine in a November-December 2020 issue. The Eco Company Spotlight is where I talk about amazing products and services that are environmentally friendly and they vary. Uh, If you want to get your ideas out there about some of your favorite products and services, do not hesitate to let me know. You can definitely reach out via email or a voice message on the Anchor app or on anchor.fm forward slash Greener Thoughts Podcast. Or you can email me at greenerthoughtspodcast.gmail.com. I'll be able to review the product or service and look into it and share it with others so that, of course, everyone can make the best informed decision for them as far as these products and services. So many I've covered. From Kiss My Face and... Uh, Burt's Bees to other ones you may not have heard of, like Ryan Snacks, for example, and have uh, uh, some other new ones coming up. I've even brought uh, or uh, bought some more um, prizes from different companies that I'll get to at a later date. Uh, but there's just so many different ones that I've covered. Um, you know, ones that you may know of, you know, like Seventh Generation or Method Two. You know, some common. Um, cleaning uh, product companies, green, um, eco-friendly uh, ingredients in their products. Amazing stuff. And, and they're from all different types of you know countries. I've covered many different types of products and services. And some, you know, phone apps, uh, like from Earth 911. So I've, I've done a bit of uh, covering uh, the ones that are out there. And there are new ones I always want to try out. Um, I support a lot of these companies, you know, with my money, um, with sharing the good information there, with, you know, them being in my repertoire as far as in my beauty routine or clothing. Um, You know, these are some really great brands. And so, you know, I've been doing a lot of reviews 
since February 2019 and I always want to look for more and more to share with you of course it's one of my favorite uh, segments of the Greener Thoughts program you know all of them are top-notch to me but this one's really fun because I can really talk about specific uh, review information uh, on you know my terms of what I think about some of the um, good parts and uh, parts to improve on with a company and some of uh, the um, the the ways that I've been using some of their products, whichever ones I've, I've gotten from them um, and been able to use and, you know, to buy fully and experience. So uh, I can't wait to let you know about this next company called Alchemy Goods and it's pretty cool. Alchemy Goods was first started in Seattle, Washington when the founder um, wanted to, um, you know, have his bag with him, but it was stolen. And he, you know, thought, you know, it's the kind of bag that he, you know, really didn't have before, um, that he wanted to make again. He didn't have the ability to just go out and just get another bag, you know, because of the unfortunate circumstances that had befallen him. So he was, he was like, you know what, let me readily just make another bag. And he created one. He created one from the bike inner tubes he had at his disposal. And those were made, um, you know, that bag was made from him. And those were some of the very beginnings of the early bags of Alchemy Goods. And they are still made uh, in part with bike inner tubes. And so his friends caught on and it was really addictive and it became one of the uh, most sought after addictive bags in the bike world and in bike shops and it, it spread like wildfire. And so he really, you know, thanks the thief who stole his, you know, bag initially and it was essentially the inspiration for Alchemy Goods and the founder, you know, really gives him thanks uh, for that, you know, double-edged sword um, essentially. So, you know, kudos to the founder. So Alchemy Goods is pretty great on its commitment to sustainability. It has a lot going for it. Uh, namely, the first thing is that it's recycled uh, half a million, 500,000 bike inner tubes and counting uh, since its inception uh, in uh, 2005. And uh, number two is that it works with retailers like Google, Amazon, Patagonia, Nike, Ben and & Jerry's, and also REI, they're like a big partner when it comes to collecting of the uh, bike inner tubes uh, and all of these retailers they work with to get eco-friendly products in their customers' hands. So Eco Brands Group owns Alchemy Goods now and they transform thousands of pounds of various material uh, waste streams into award-winning consumer products. Eco Brands Corp is a certified B Corp, so kudos to them. And then number three, is that Alchemy Goods, they use recycled uh, advertisement banners, wax canvas, bike inner tubes, and also recycled denim in their amazing products. They use many different things. Uh, as far as their product selection, they have everything from your budget buys, like clearance items and items under $50, and also items under $100. They have limited edition items. They have backpacks and messenger bags. They've got belts and wallets and bestseller items. They've got bottle holders, purses and totes, and they've got travel kits in those type of bags and also zipper pouches. 
Now, I haven't bought from Alchemy Goods like I wanted to. I've, I've known about Alchemy Goods for probably six years or so. Definitely, I've known about them for a while. They were like one of the first um, environmentally friendly um, and sustainable bags I ever knew about. Um, so I've known about them for about five years plus. And I, I wanted to buy a, another messenger bag from them, but it's going to, the one bag that I'll get from them will replace my limited edition Timba 2 bag that I already have. So I'm being um, conscious about, um, you know, where I'll buy my next product because it will, of course, replace my Timbuk2 bag, my Timbuk2 bag. So instead of um, uh, being a, a delighted consumer and then wanting to buy, 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 and being a conscious one, and uh, you know, when my old bag falls apart, I'll just get another one. Um, but I'll be very thoughtful about where I get it. And so I'm thinking about Alchemy Goods because they have some really cool bags on their site. They have backpacks and messenger bags. They have totes. They have a lot. Um, most of their bags, I guess they're, they're more unisex, but they're more marketed to men and cyclists in the cycling world. But um, they do have a small section for women so as far as like um, little totes and purses like that. But most of their items are either going to be towards uh, men because of the different colors and shapes and everything. Um, and most of the models on their site are of, you know, men wearing their products. Um, they do have amazing prices. Like some of the lowest prices I've seen, low to medium prices I've seen uh, ranging for different products. So they have wallets that are like $5 and 10 cents. You know, all these prices are in American dollars, USD. Uh, to messenger bags, which will run the highest $140 which is reasonable. You know, there are some uh, bags that will uh, be um, not comparing brands, but there are some sustainable um, accessories brands or ones that carry handbags, purses, backpacks, etc. And they'll run you, you know, a quarter of a thousand dollars, you know, $250, sometimes $500. I've seen backpacks for $500 on different sites and they're huge. Um, they're, 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 thick and they're robust, but that's $500 on a backpack. And I'm like, no, thank you. So at the low end, 140, it seems like quite a steal. Um, and Alchemy Goods, they are one of the few, um, companies I've ever seen that they'll custom make certain, you know, products that are, you know, upcycled, of course. So they do, you know, products that are, um, made from advertising uh, banners and reclaimed inner tubes and other things, but they also will manufacture um, products from um, from items that you provide. Like you can give them an idea of what you want. You can maybe send them maybe plastic bags, or maybe you know sleep um, covers, or you know something else. Maybe poster board. Maybe something else um, that is durable, and they can you know try to uh, make it for you. And you can rock it at a, you know, event or a festival or something else. So that's great. They're using materials, whatever they have at their disposal to readily create upcycled, just sustainable items, which is pretty awesome. So I love um, the fact that uh, Alchemy Goods uh, is on this track and they've been doing this for a long time. And so for me, they get five out of five green thumbs up. I love them. Alchemy Goods can be found online 
on a few different places, but mainly on their website, alchemygoods.com. That's www.alchemygoods.com. Also, ebay.com. And when you're on their website, just check out their retailer section. And then they have shops in the U.S., the U.K., Switzerland, Sweden, the Netherlands, and also Australia. So there's many different sites that you'll be able to, you know, search and look up depending on where you live. Alchemy sites can be found on the following social media platforms. Facebook at Alchemy Goods. They're on Instagram at Alchemy underscore Goods. They're on LinkedIn at Ego Brands Group. They're on Pinterest at Alchemy Goods. They're on Twitter on uh, at the handle Alchemy Goods. But they haven't really been as active on Twitter since like maybe 2017, last time I checked. And they're on YouTube. I subscribe to their YouTube channel. It's called Alchemy Good Seattle. And it's got a little bit of subscribers as of now. To contact Alchemy Goods, just check out their website again, www.alchemygoods.com. And you can also email them at info at alchemygoods.com. Or you can contact them at their number, 206 I know that this topic was alarming, was scary, was, I wouldn't say foreign, but, you know, that there's methylmercury contaminants in our fish that live, abound in our, our oceans and in the depths of the Mariana Trench. That it's detected at that depth is, it's scary, but it's a, it's the real honest reality of the world that we're living in. Our oceans have to be able to suck that out somehow and still maintain and still carry on with the with the uh with the responsibility of taking care of the many animals that depend on our oceans but it's it's not up to the ocean to to take care of itself we have to take care of that as humans as as those that have a a brain that are working and they're able to take care of of what's in your life, you know, is it impacting the oceans? That's the key. That's the question to ask yourself at the end of this episode. Um, how is whatever you are disposing into our landfills that somehow that leachates from you know the the landfills ends up matriculating into our groundwater and or going into uh, pipes that somehow may lead to rivers or uh, places that inevitably go to our oceans. Um, nothing is is without um, interconnectedness on our planet. Everything is connected. Everything. No matter what you think, everything's connected. Just like in Cloud Atlas, the movie, everything is connected throughout time, throughout space, people, our planet. Everything is interconnected. And this is one of the things that we have to grapple with. Our plastic pollution has gotten to the depths of our oceans. You can see videos of this. I just, I've seen recent videos and this has been the last three years where our plastic has made it to the bottom uh, of our oceans. You know, the story of plastic that the story of stuff has created and you can rent, um, you know, via, um, in groups or organizations, or maybe even as an individual, you have to check their website for more. The story of stuff has done an excellent job at narrating and telling the story and illustrating 
the power and the snare that plastic pollution has on people. And it's it's so ingrained, especially here in the U.S. and American culture, specifically, and in the manufacturing force, uh, those that produce the plastic, they're not going anywhere. But, um, you know, there are things that we can do to um, eliminate our plastic waste. I've done many different podcast episodes on plastic waste, but also uh, on different contaminants, too. And there are some podcast episodes I've done on. Um, I've talked on um, different health effects, and sometimes those are, are connected to air pollution and other things. Um, but something as simple as a collaboration between, for, uh, for example, Eagle Creek and the Five Dryers, which um, their products, which you can see on their site, Eagle Creek um, uh, forward slash landing forward slash Five Dryers uh, dot html they have it currently where it's running from um uh, august the 1st 2020 to june the 30th 2021 where a portion of their um special um uh, line of uh, plastic pollution awareness gear it goes towards uh, being donated to the five gyres institute and they're one of the hallmark um, institutions uh, of ocean research, cons- conservancy, um, education, and they do a lot of cleanups too. So if you want to, I'll definitely leave that link in the description as well. Again, if you go to eaglecreek.com between you know now and you know uh, late June 2021, then you'll be able to, you know, purchase products that uh, contribute to Five Gyres Institute. It's amazing. I've already purchased uh, two products from them, my fanny pack, which I'll do a review on at a later date, and one of the backpack prizes um, that will be for a bonus giveaway I'll be doing in the future. Uh, stay tuned for that. I'll be talking about that in a few months. But this is why I have, you know, my giveaway so I can I can give back, but also teach a little bit with some great sustainable products. All my products are eco friendly from the brands that I talk about in the eco company spotlight segment. So I'm I'm definitely happy to you know give away that backpack, and there are two other backpacks I want to buy from different brands as well. I'll have details on that. I already have another. Um, set of prizes that are fanny packs, sustainable fanny packs that I'll be doing as a bonus giveaway as well. So stay tuned for that at a later date as well. Again, uh, we can all do part, um, do part of something um, when it comes to saving our oceans. We only have, you know, X amount of water, fresh water to use, but our oceans are so plentiful. Um, but they're choking. They're choking on plastic that we are producing. You, you may be connected to somebody who's in the oil and gas industry. Someone who's in the plastics industry. Maybe you live in the South and you are affected by air pollution because of the contaminants and the amount of fumes coming from different, you know, smeltering plants and uh, distribution plants that are, are making this plastic and they're distributing it to other places. And the, and the truck gas is just, you know, wreaking havoc on your health. Um, you know, we can do something about this now in our lifetime. You know, we really don't have a choice about this and, you know, we have to save our oceans and make sure, you know, methylmercury isn't a part of our fish's story and our marine life story. They don't deserve it. 
So uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you to my paid supporter uh, of the podcast, one of my paid supporters, my only one thus far. Um, but if there are ways that you would like to support Greener Thoughts, definitely you can do so uh, on the anchor.fm forward slash Greener Thoughts podcast page and then click support. Uh, any support is uh, definitely appreciated and thanks so much. I want to do something special for the paid supporters in the future. I'm not sure what, but I'll be cranking up ideas. Uh, I want to put out a survey uh, um, about Greener Thoughts that maybe you want to, you know, definitely answer a couple quick questions about how I can improve anything in the podcast. Clearly, um, you know, any suggestions are, you know, uh, welcomed. And I thank you as always for listening and sharing, uh, the Greener Thoughts, um, episodes that you listen to. Thank you so much. Uh, as always, please take care of yourselves and also please take care of our planet. Thank you so much and take care.